The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily stand or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 19th of February, 2022. I'm your host, Bad Billy, and I've got a great show lined up for you this week, as I always do. Yes, indeed. In just a little bit, you're going to hear an interview that I recorded with Will Martin. He's a singer of a band called Earshot. Now, some of you may have heard of Earshot, some of you may not have. Of course, Earshot has a very, very impressive resume, and I had a very good conversation with Will that's coming up in just a little bit. In the second hour, I'm welcoming a friend of mine, Tom Supnet. Now, those of you who follow uh, the old Badlands Combat Sports Radio Show know you'll know that uh, I interviewed him back in 2010 on that show, but uh, sadly, a friend of ours has recently passed away, and so. We're going to have a discussion and pay tribute to that person coming up in the second hour. And in the third hour, I am joined by the icon Stephen James for the Steve Solution, talking about the trucker convoy going on in up in Canada. Yes, indeed. Before I get to all that, I want to cue one of the latest singles from Earshot. This is called You and I. And I'll be back with the interview with Will Martin right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. Restless You're seeming me overtake 
thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. The most dangerous thing you can do with marijuana is get caught with it. Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, ma'am. Please don't touch. When I was young, I was told to hold my tongue. I was told if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. But now I'm older and I see that we live in a world where nice just won't cut it. So instead, I speak my mind. Speak out against injustice. Freedom of speech. It's your first amendment. Protect it. This message was brought to you by the NAE Education Foundation and the Broadcast Education Association. 
So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliated with My Patriot Supply. Are you prepared for the next unplanned emergency? As we speak, inflation is rising and the grocery store shelves are stocked less and less every day. The time to prepare is now. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and purchase yourself some buckets of delicious gourmet food with a 25-year shelf life. You can also purchase other essential supplies you can use during times of unplanned emergencies. Supplies such as the Alexa Pure water filtration system, first aid and medical supplies, solar power supplies, and much more. Again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Visit the store section and click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Don't be left in the dark. Get yourself and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency today. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard You and I by Earshot, and it is my pleasure to welcome Will Martin of Earshot to the show. Will, how you doing, brother? I am doing very, very well, my friend. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, indeed. Thank you so much for joining the show. Of course, anytime. Yes, yes. So uh, my first question for uh, those who are not familiar with Earshot, shame on them. <laughs> uh, for those who are not familiar. <laughs> That's right, shame on them. <laughs> but those who, who are not familiar, why don't you give a little background, tell the listeners a bit about yourself and about the band. Okay, so we uh, our first record came out in uh, 2002 on Warner Brothers Records. Our first single, Getaway, uh, came out that year, and we were in the top five and stayed in the active rock radio charts uh, for about 64 weeks, which was a very long time. Um, we also had a song off of that record in a very beloved soundtrack for the movie Queen of the Damned, which featured a lot of other artists, uh, Disturbed, Jonathan Davis, Static X, Papa Roach, etc. Um, in 2004, we released our second album, titled Two, and that was we really started, you know, to get a really good head, head of steam with our first single off that album called Wait. Uh, which was made even more popular by being the featured song in Madden 2005, video game for those gamers out there. Um, 
And then uh, we had another album that came out a few years later when we switched to another label on Universal uh, called The Silver Lining. And we had a single off that called Misunderstood. And uh, we took a little, well, not a little, a little bit of a long hiatus, I should say, um, and released our next music proper studio recording in 2015 called The Aftermath, which was a six-song EP. Great, great album. That's just uh, now finally starting to, to get some attention. And, uh, and in 2018 or 19, sorry, my, it's a little fuzzy to me. It's been a long couple of years. Um, we sort of reactivated again, made some lineup changes, and uh, we have a new uh, drummer, Mikey, and new guitar player, Andy, a new um, bass player, John Novak, and then we have on guitar as well an old friend of mine from our touring days when he was in Breaking Benjamin, uh, Mr. Aaron Fink. And uh, since then, we have been uh, writing and writing. The pandemic that happened in 2020 kind of put a damper on some of the plans we had, but uh, we've made it work by uh, you know figuring out a new way to be able to work with each other and record since we all don't live you know, close by each other. So that's kind of a, a quick reader's digest rundown of the history of the band and where we're at today. Well, that's one hell of a resume, I must say too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was. Uh, yeah. Well, and a lot of touring in between all of that too, I might add. Oh yes, most definitely. The, you know, I, I got to ask, you know, uh, going back, uh, the success that you had, you know, uh, your song featured on Queen of the Damned. I, re I remember that movie. Um, and then uh, also, uh, you know, you're, you're featured on uh, on Madden NFL. You're featured on Legends of Wrestling. Overall, when you, uh, yep. when you've, uh, when you achieve these uh, elements of success, uh, describe the overall feeling you, you got uh, when you hit that. You know, it's almost kind of surreal in a way. Um, you know, we work on these songs for so long and and even to the point where, you know, oftentimes some would say that we overthink them. But, you know, you work so hard on these and then you, and then you, it's a continuation of hearing it more and more. And so it doesn't really, doesn't really set in really, even as I talk about it now, it, it it seems uh, very surreal, I guess, is just the best word that I could use. It's, it, um, I'm grateful for the opportunities. We've had a lot of great opportunities, and we've had, you know, gotten to do a lot of things that a lot of people and other bands don't get to do. So um, I'm just grateful and happy that we have made music that has affected people in a meaningful way to where they want to listen to what we do and they appreciate what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, I got to ask, uh, that's Earshot. That's quite a unique name. Uh, where where does that exactly come from? So, um, before our very first show, we didn't have a name for the band yet. Uh, we kind of, we don't always work such finely tuned machines Believe it or not, it may be a surprise to some people, but <laughs> but we've always kind of worked a little bit 
backwards with something. So we, we were telling promoters back then that we were ready to play shows, even though we only had maybe four songs written that we could play together and we didn't have a name for the band. So this promoter who ended up being a very good, becoming a very good friend of mine later on, um, booked this anyway and asked, you know, what the name of the band was so that he could put ads out in, uh, you know, the local magazines and so on and so forth. And we didn't have a name. So at that moment, when I got that message, I was actually writing lyrics for another new song that we were working on. And I had a thesaurus sitting around because I was trying to think of a word for something else. And that's what I went to, to get some ideas for a band name. And I, I knew that I wanted a band name that had something to do with sound. And obviously names like Soundgarden was already taken, obviously. And you're not going to name your band Sound, right? So, I mean, all these things. So I started looking up in the source um, for Sound, and Earshot was a synonymous word with Sound. And as soon as I saw that, that's what I texted over or emailed, I can't remember which, over to him, and I said, this is the name of the band, as if, you know, we it was already known that we were called that. So it was a shock to the rest of the guys at the time. Like, oh, it's, so it's called Earshot now, and that's kind of, that's the backstory on how the name came to be. So it was me and a thesaurus. It's a very dangerous weapon. <laughs> Books. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I like that, yes. <laughs> now, um, of course, I... According to Wikipedia, you guys actually started in uh, 1999, so you've been at it for just a little over 22 years now. What a hell of a ride it's been. Yeah. I, can, I can see that. Uh, you know, you've toured with Alien Ant Farm, Edema, and just name a couple right there. But, uh, overall, uh, t- talk about uh, touring and uh where would you say uh, who are, you've had the most fun? Who are the, some of the funnest guys that uh, you actually had the opportunity to tour with? So hands down, the funnest tour that we did was with Kid Rock. We did a two-month-long run, which is a little longer than usual. Um, and it was just, and it was an arena tour, and it was just us and Kid Rock. There was no other openers um, and that was by far and away the easiest and funnest tour that I've ever had an opportunity to be on. And that's not to say that, you know, we haven't had a really great time. There's been a lot of bands that we've, uh, toured with and played shows with, uh, you know, whether we're on a proper tour with them or we did festival shows, um, you know, we did shows with Chevelle, you know, when they were kind of coming up and starting to surge. Um, Hoobastank was the very first band that we went out with. And Hoobastank was, you know, their first single, um, I forget what the name of the single was, uh, Running in the Dark or something. I can't remember. So forgive me if I butchered the name, but their single was just coming out and no one even had known who Hoobastank was at that point. So, you know, we've, we've, you know, had the opportunity to, to really, you know, go out and play music and share the stages with some really great bands like seven dust. We did 
I think we did two or three months with Seven Dust and Filter, Glassjaw, which I had no idea who Glassjaw was before we started playing with them, but they are literally one of my most favorite bands still to this day. Um, so just so many, so many to name, but more to your, to your question, Kid Rock would have to be the funnest. And I'm sure you could probably imagine why that would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, I actually know of somebody who, uh, basically stocked Kid Rock with, goes to every, goes to damn near every show, no matter where he goes, been on a cruise ship with him. So yeah, and uh, she talks about uh, how much fun it always is, too. You know, one thing I got to say, uh, since uh, his name is being mentioned, too, I mean, that, that new single he just put out, I mean, even I I like it uh, for multiple reasons, uh, but even if you want to take out the political aspect of We the People, it's like you listen to that song yeah. and he's just, just listen to... Uh, to how it's put together and he's going back to his roots of, uh, from, uh, devil without a cause. You know? Yeah. I, uh, I've heard this single a few times. Um, it's come on my, my radio, my mm-hmm. Apple music radio, um, thing, you know, or just select songs. But I, uh, I, I think you're right. I think it's kind of, you know, when you take out all the political stuff that he's saying, and it really is kind of back to, you know, what he started as, which was, um, you know, that, that rock and, and, you know, like it or not, what he's saying in that song is, is, um, well, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna cause a lot of people to, uh, talk about, let's just say, (laughs) (laughs) um, and that's what he's always done best. He's always been an artist that has started a conversation about something, whether whether it's uh, a divisive one or not, um, or it's heated or not. Um, he's always been that guy. But I can tell you that, you know, having toured with him for as long as we did, he's one of the, the most nicest people in the business that you will ever meet. Um, Really, really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll mention too. I um, I just I saw it on Facebook not too long ago after that that song was put out. Somebody commented that, uh, oh, he needs to be, he he needs to be uh, arrested and put on trial for treason for writing that song. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but yeah, but you know, yeah, people. Uh... You know, like I've, I've, you know, I've been doing these press things the last week with, you know, with our new single coming out and, and I say the same thing every time, you know, the return to normal, quote unquote, isn't really going to happen when, you know, the virus and all the restrictions go away. It's really going to happen when people start minding their own fucking business and quit getting into everyone else's and telling them what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, what they should say, what they shouldn't say. It's just, it just all needs to stop. And everybody just needs to focus on being as good a person as they can be and do something that actually is going to meaningfully change the world in a positive fashion. Once we 
get back to that, then we'll get back to normal. But until then, it's going to be just this, you know, <laughs> twilight zone of the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm always a supporter of free speech, and that's what the main basis of my show is. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, to that person, yeah, you have the right to your opinion, you have the right to say what you said, but I also have the right to disagree and tell you that you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, listen, it's... it's uh, Everything's become politicized. Yeah. And that's kind of where everything is at. And and to be honest with you, there are really crazy people on both sides of the spectrum. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's, 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 and I think right now, you know, when we had Trump in office, it was focused on, you know, how bad it was if you were a conservative or a Republican, you know, how much of a whack job you were because that means you voted for Trump. But I would say also conversely, you know, the people that, and and, and by the way, I don't have a dog in the fight either way for, of for course. Republican or Democrat. Um, so I say this, you know, completely detached point of view, but you know, the, the democratic party uh, people also, not all of them, but a lot of them, the ones that speak out, are just as crazy as the ones that speak out on the other side. I mean, it, 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 it's just really unfortunate that we live in a time where, um, you know, people get that kind of oxygen and air to be able to, you know, propagate ridiculousness. And, and you know, I, it's partly because of technology advances, because anybody can go online and say whatever they want to say. And so maybe that's the difference. I don't think it's maybe anything new, but it's emboldened people, I think, to to just be ridiculous. And people aren't listening to each other. They're just spewing out shit just exactly. to be an asshole. And that's the problem. <laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, anybody who knows me and listens to this show knows that my politics uh, do lean to the right, but I don't claim to be a Democrat or a Republican. And I'll say... You know the term right wing, left wing, because hey, they're just they're both two wings of the same dirty bird. There you go. Yep. <laughs> yep. Pretty well. But thank God we have music. Great oh music. hell yeah! <laughs> and that brings me to the next question too. I mean, uh, you brought up the pandemic. We know twenty twenty sucked. Twenty twenty one maybe a little bit better, but it still sucked. But uh, yeah when everything was shut down and the, the world was like put on pause, what are the positives yeah. you think you can take out of that time frame? Well, as many may not know, we all live in different places. So Aaron and John live in Pennsylvania. Andy and Mikey live in Florida and I live in Los Angeles. Um, so before the pandemic, we were scheduled to, to meet up in a studio and start, you know, recording some ideas and working on stuff that we all agreed that we already liked. And then the pandemic happened and that kind of threw the brakes on everything. Um, the silver lining of the pandemic for us was we had to figure out a way to make music together, even though we were all in different places. And so for us, it was that we learned how to leverage technology, you know, that we have available to be able to, to record music. And so 
the stuff that we put out, starting with the uninvited Alanis Morissette cover that we put out in 2020, and also been a long time, and now these two new tracks with you and I and Tongue Tied, all of these songs, none of us were in the same place working on these tracks. So we were, you know, literally, we all have our own studios and we were recording and then like an assembly line, just kind of shipping it, pushing it down the line to the next person and until it got back to me. Um, so it taught us to be able to, to adjust if we need to, if we, if we can't be together, we, we know how to work with each other. We know our workflow. We have a workflow that works for us. Um, so I would say that's the biggest positive for us as a group to be able to function should God forbid anything like this happen again. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, and, and a lot of bands are doing that too. I mean, you got the guys from uh, tattoo the scars. I mean, they're, they're all in uh, different areas and that's what they're doing. E emailing the track. Somebody's puts the drum cover on, somebody puts the guitar on, somebody mixes in the lyrics, you know, and it, and, and there you go. I mean, technology has just changed so much, you know, especially since, uh, yep. you know, the uh, AM, FM days where if you wanted to make it big, you know, obviously you start in the garage and work your way up. And then, then if you got enough money, you take a drive to New York or L.A. or whatever and, and uh, present yourself there. You know, it's, it's like yep. those days are not exactly dead, but, uh, you know, now it is, you know, you, you'd be anywhere and, um, you know, as long as you got the, got the right software and you make it sound good, yep. you, you really put something together. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, lucky for us, we, we, uh, dare I say, we know what we're doing. We're dangerous. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, but we are starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, with that said, uh, what's uh, in your horizon coming up? Well, you know, that's a good question. We don't have any plans for any tours right now, sadly. Um, you know, part of that, I think, is we've just been kind of waiting to see you know, we've had these false starts before in the past, but it looks like, you know, uh, by all indications that, you know, this time is for real. And um, so I think now, you know, with the with the new single out that seems to be getting some traction now, hopefully that'll start to, you know, to change um, in terms of, you know, when we'll start doing some shows. We might start maybe with doing some some one-off shows here and there. And then maybe next year we'll hit it hard. I'm just not sure yet, but it's something that we're starting to think about now a little more. Yes, yes. And that, that song, Uninvited by Alanis Morissette, that seems to be a popular song to get covered now because, I mean, you got Doll Skin out of Arizona. They covered it. Red Sun Rising has covered it. And then I see you guys have covered it too. Yes, and although all of those bands, although I'm not familiar with with one of the two of them really that much. I'm I'll, honestly, I'm not that familiar with either of those, but I have heard uh, a couple of tracks. I do have to say that, I mean, let's be honest. Ours is the best. <laughs> just, 
There's no contest. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was our own interpretation of it. And that's all a cover song really is, right? It's just each artist's interpretation. And we, for us, we wanted to um, be a little more faithful to it. And I really wanted to to do this track. It was a very challenging song vocally. And... Um, and I loved that about that song. And it really made me dig deep as a vocalist and, and sing in a way that I really don't normally sing on our tracks. And, and we're starting to, you know, because of that song, you know, we're starting to approach songs, you know, a little differently now. Um, I also, after, after that uninvited track, um, kind of spurred an opportunity for me with, uh, George Lynch and Jeff Colson from Dokken, they um, asked me if I was interested in doing a covers album that they were going to put out on a small label of, I think it was like, I think it was like nine or 10 songs, but I did that through the pandemic and it's called Heavy Hitters, by the way, if anyone listening is interested, but that song, that record came out fabulous. And one of my favorite songs of all time was a song by Duran Duran, uh, called Ordinary World. And we do that song and it is fantastic. It's one of my favorite songs. So uh, again, it's the same thing where I'm singing, you know, in a completely different light. And I, and I currently with our new stuff that we're currently writing for Earshot, you know, trying to really figure out how to blend those two worlds together, you know, our, our heavier, more aggressive stuff. And also, you know, the, the ways that I'm, that I can sing, you know, and, and the different possibilities that there are with that. So, um, the uninvited was, was that turning point though? Had we not done that song, I'm, I might be doing the same old, same old, which can get boring too. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, uh, gotta ask you one of my favorite questions. So obviously, uh, you might you might have multiple stories for me, so <laughs> think of the best one, I guess. But uh, this doesn't matter if uh, you're playing some dirty dive bar, some shithole out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, that holds a maximum capacity of about 25 people if you're lucky, or say you booked out Madison Square Garden. Venue doesn't matter. What's the craziest okay. thing you think you have witnessed while performing on stage? The craziest thing that I've that I've witnessed performing on stage. Yes. You know, in our when we when we did our first tour when we were out with Hoobastank. So this is this is late two thousand one. Mm-hmm. This is like maybe December or November even, but <clears throat> there was this little bar and I can't remember where we were exactly. We were playing this little bar and there was this there was this girl and she had big giant curly hair, like really tight curly hair. And um after the show I had noticed that our bass player at the time was was talking to her at the bar and they were having some drinks and laughing and carrying on. And uh I remember I went outside for something and I came back in and I, I smelled what, what I, what I 
thought was like something burning, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, but it was really strong and really pungent. And, I was, and, um, and so then I was trying to find my bass player to tell him that we were going to be leaving soon. I finally found him and, uh, he informed me that the, that, uh, he had the girl with him that he, they were at the bar and he lit up the cigarette. And I guess she had so much hairspray in her hair and it actually ignited her hair on fire. Oh, and I mean, shit. it burned. <laughs> it burned a lot because I mean, it didn't burn her scalp or anything, but, but there was just this thick smell of burnt hair <laughs> throughout the bar. So it may not be the craziest, one of the craziest things that's happened, but it's certainly one of the most memorable, funny times that I can remember. And, and it's, it may be one of those things that you just had to be there for, but it was, if you could have seen the situation, the scenario and, and how much hair was on this person, like it was actually pretty funny. <laughs> yes. That's a good story. I like that. <laughs> hey, I've, I've heard some crazy stories. Hey, that one, that one's up there and I like that. So <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm glad right. it worked. <laughs> All right. Final question. Yep. Let's say a group of kids ages 15 to early 20s approach you and tell you they're going to start a band and they want to break into the music business. What advice do you think you can give them? Well, like I tell a lot of new artists, I, tell, I say a couple of things. I say don't have too much expectation other than writing great music that people will love or hate. And you go, well, why would you want to write music that people hate? The thing is, is with music, we don't, as a writer, you don't have the option to decide whether people are going to hate it or love it. It's out of your control. But the good thing about creating things that people either love or hate is it is it creates a, an emotional response to it, which is why we have our favorite songs. We like Led Zeppelin songs, we like Metallica songs, Soundgarden, whatever it is, the songs we like, it's because it, it created an emotional response, we connected with it somehow. But the same thing happens with things that people hate. You know, uh, for me, think of things like Backstreet Boys. I hated the Backstreet Boys <laughs> when they came out. But you know what? it didn't stop them from selling however many gazillions of millions of records that they sold. And that's because people either loved the band, but the also people that hated that band also propelled them to success. So always create things that elicit either a love or a hate, because if you create music, that's what I call apathetic then you failed. That's music that will be on in the background that people will talk over and won't take any notice of what you're doing. You have to write things and take risks to create things that people love or hate. Hey, that's great advice. I love that. <laughs> all right. There you go. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Well, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining the show, and uh, we're going to hit a music set where I'm going to play three more of your songs. Uh, before Beautiful. I, yeah, before I get to that, though, why don't you give yourself a plug, tell the listeners where they can find 
Earshot. You got a website, social media, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, and all that good shit. Yep. So this is going to be surprisingly very easy. Our website is earshotband.com. And then all of our social media handles are the same. Facebook.com slash earshotband. Instagram.com slash earshotband. Twitter.com slash earshotband. YouTube. Everything slash earshotband. Real, real easy. There you go. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining the show. I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. And uh, I'm confident you'll be hitting the road touring again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have the interview with Will Martin of Earshot. It's time to go to the first music set. Coming up, we have three more songs by Earshot. Also in the lineup, we have Erica Dawn and The Fallen Sun. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth?
Side, clean up to my hip. It was right, velvet trimming in 
Looking glass pierced to the woman where a half-grown kid had stood. She said, here's your one chance, fancy don't let me down. She said, here's your one chance, fancy don't let me down. Mama dabbed a little bit of perfume on my neck, then she kissed my cheek. Then I saw the tears welling up in her troubled eyes as she started to speak. She looked at a pitiful shack, and then she looked at me and took a ragged breath. She said, your paws run off. I'm real sick, and the baby's gonna starve to death. She handed me a heart-shaped rocket to say without own self the truth. And I shivered as I watched a roach crawl across the toe of my high-heeled shoe. Sounded like somebody else that was talking, asking, Mama, what do I do? She said, just be nice to the gentleman, fancy, and they'll be nice to you. She said, here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. She said, here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Lord, forgive me for what I do, but if you want to The night I left that rickety shack The welfare people came and took the baby Mama died and I ain't been back But the wheels of fate started to turn And for me there was no way out One very long till I knew exactly what my mama been talking about She knew what I had to do And I made myself this solemn vow Gonna be a lake someday Though I didn't know when or how Though I couldn't see spending the rest of my life With my head hung down in shame You know I might have been blown Just plain white trash Fancy was my name Here's your one chance Fancy don't let me down Here's your one chance Fancy don't let me down And one week later, I was born as tea in a five-room hotel suite. I charmed a king, a congressman, and an occasional aristocrat. Now I've got me a Georgia mansion in an elegant New York townhouse flat.
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your hunter athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, hunter athletic gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. The Second Amendment Foundation has grown into what many believe to be the most important gun rights organization in America. With hundreds of thousands of active members, it is the Second Amendment Foundation defending your rights in courtrooms across the nation. Winning these battles in local jurisdictions all the way to the Supreme Court requires tireless effort and help from you. Please help the Second Amendment Foundation defend your freedoms by joining or donating today at saf.org. Join us at saf.org. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with MyPillow. Mike Lindell supports America, and we support Mike, but sadly, him and his company have been victimized by this cancel culture. But that's not going to stop Mike from making sure you get the best sleep possible, and now is the time to take advantage of those savings. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section, click on the MyPillow banner, and start your online shopping. Be sure to use the promo code OUTLAW and get up to 66% off your purchase. And if you act right now, you can get our standard MyPillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98. These pillows are made right here in the USA and are washable. So again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section. Click on the MyPillow banner and start your online shopping. But remember to use that promo code OUTLAW to take advantage of those savings. Or you can place your order by calling 1-800-652-3982. 
And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray products. From the Ultra 10,000 Nanograms Package to the Platinum 300,000 Nanograms Package. They're also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit keys2life.shop. That's K-E-Y-S, the number 2, life.shop. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet Supplements from Neutronics Labs. Making men, men again. Yo, baby, you've had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit. Fuck the fucking shit. Fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck shit. The shit. Fuck shit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Earshot with Now That It's Over. Before that, The Fallen Sun with In Gloom. Before that, Earshot with their cover of Alanis Morissette's Uninvited. Before that, Erica Dawn with her cover of Reba McIntyre's Fancy. And starting off the whole set, Earshot with Headstrong. Yes, indeed. Uh, again, uh, shout out to Will Martin of Earshot. Thank you so much for joining the show. Just a little bit, uh, you're going to hear the conversation I had with Tom Supnett paying tribute to our late friend, Keith Owen. Before we get to that, it is time to reveal the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is a gentleman by the name of Brandon White. Now, what did he do, you may ask? Well, first off, Florida man, we owe, <laughs> oh my God, we have had stories of Florida men before, yes, indeed. So, this guy, <laughs> oh, so he's accused of preying on underage girls, basically wanting to trade vape pens so he could get a whiff of their feet. Now, I mean, I've had Jack the Footman on. Uh, may he rest in peace, of course, you know, and he he likes the whole foot fetish thing, and there's a lot of guys out there, nothing wrong with that. Um, oh, it, it wasn't uh, just uh, vape pins. It was also uh, pins that had marijuana in them as well, so I'm pretty sure there's going to be extra charges for that. Um but, uh, yeah, uh, the 18 is the law. And, of course, yeah, he's using uh, TikTok, which is an app that I never use because um, 
I just don't find any use for it. It seems like, yeah, that's a complete child's play and only children really use TikTok as far as I'm concerned. With the exception of uh, Officer Nate Sylvester, some of the, his TikTok videos were pretty funny. Um, but yeah, uh, Mr. Brandon White just crossed a line that you don't cross. Basically a pedophile, and uh, we'll see how it goes in court for him. Anyway, it's time to move on. Hear the discussion with Tom Supnit as we play, uh, we pay tribute to our late friend, Keith Owen. Outlaw Radio remembers Professor Keith Owen. Professor Keith Owen was a fourth degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu under legendary eighth degree black belt Professor Pedro Sauer. Keith was also a fourth degree black belt in Tai Kung Fu and a black sash in Wu Wei Kung Fu under Bruce Lee student Joseph Coles. Keith tells how it all started for him. When I was seven years old, I saw a karate demonstration. It was that hard style karate. I grew up super poor, so my family was not affording any martial arts lessons. But when I saw it at, at seven years old, I went, man, I got to get involved in that one day. And it was numerous years later, I watched the movie, The Karate Kid, way back in the day. Wax on, wax off. And that just got me going again. Like, I want to go do martial arts. And I started taking martial arts, I think, uh, a couple days later. You know, I wish I could say that I was on this long journey and I went up this mountain and I sat on the doorstep of the master and everything like that. No, I just started martial arts. It was a lot of fun. And I, I got a black belt and then I went on and got another black belt. And then I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I was 24, I think it was, maybe 23. I'm looking around reading and trying to find someone and there was only the Gracie Academy, Craig Kukuk and Henzo Gracie in New okay. York. It was all I could find. Then I heard that there was this dude named Pedro Sauer in Salt Lake City. And then I met Professor Sauer and he was a student of Elio Gracie. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my God, you're the man that I want to take lessons. Quite frankly, Professor Sauer is the greatest jiu-jitsu instructor that I personally have ever met in my entire life. The guy is a magician. When I started training jiu-jitsu, I was very small, very fragile, I was young, and I was 14 years old. Professor Sauer is like the Mozart of jiu-jitsu. I was looking through Black Belt magazine. Then my buddy, one day, he had these action videos, and he said, hey, look at these, man. And we started looking at him, and I said, holy crud, man, I want to do this. I said, hey, if I start doing this, will you do it with me? And he said, yeah. His name is Dean Heileman. Dean went on to get a black belt in jiu-jitsu like I did. And so he helped me get into it. And I haven't looked back, man. Professor Keith received a total of 11 black belts under him here in the United States and Canada. Keith tells how he got involved in law enforcement. My family was in law enforcement for a long time. It was just a natural thing that I was going to go do law enforcement too. And I wanted to be a cop as well, man. And so I was fortunate enough to work for the Twin Falls County Sheriff's Department in beautiful Twin Falls, Idaho. I was a reserve deputy with the Sheriff's Department. It wasn't my full-time job because I decided that I didn't want to do it full-time. I spent 10 years uh, on the department and then I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the police academy and start the jiu-jitsu program, the, the ground control program for the Idaho Post Academy. I'm the one who wrote it and started it. And uh, we got it off the ground and it was uh, an amazing thing. And then the police officers all over the state of Idaho started training it and it saved lives and it's been working. One of my students, uh, his name is Ari Nazan. He created a jujitsu for police officers it's called Invictus. He is literally trying to get as many police officers as he can to study jujitsu. 
I commend him and I'm super excited that I at least had a part in that as well. Why does Professor Keith feel that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is so important? He explains. Jiu-Jitsu will allow you to really honestly defend yourself. I think self-defense is super important because, I mean, when you're out on the street and somebody wants to beat you up, you need to know how to defend yourself. But there is nothing wrong with the tournament Jiu-Jitsu. I represent self-defense first, but I'm totally into the sports side of it too. Everybody should go and do a tournament. Although people know me as a self-defense, stand-up, non-world champion guy. The technique will last you all through your life. So you could be like 70. I'm going to do jujitsu when I'm 80 years old against people that are 21. So Keith, you live in Idaho, yes. in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Boise is Idaho. known for potatoes, but are the potatoes better there than anywhere else? I wouldn't know about the potatoes so much because I, I mean, I haven't eaten every potato everywhere. Potatoes are great, but I'm gonna tell you the lifestyle is really great in Idaho. There are a lot of nice people, hardly any crime. Everybody's very polite. It's a beautiful place. I'm a big outdoorsman. I go out in the wilderness all the time. That's what a lot of people don't know about me. I like being out in the woods and it's a lot of fun and Idaho's perfect for that. I'm in love with the idea of climbing Mount Everest. I'm just trying to make jujitsu better for the world and, and I wanna share that. We're not fighting each other, we're fighting injury. I just wanna spread jujitsu, man, to the world. That's my goal in life. When you love what you do, you never work. So true, and indeed, Professor Keith lived a happy life. Alas, he has gone to join our fallen greats. You can visit his website, which is still up, at teamrhinobjj.com. Outlaw Radio remembers Professor Keith Owen. May he rest in peace. Sincerely, the Outlaw Radio staff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I am joined by Tom Supnett. I've had him on my previous show back in 2010, and uh, uh, we had a pretty good conversation back then, as I remember. But uh, right now, he's joining me to talk about uh, something uh, a lot more serious. Anyway, Tom, how you doing? Doing good. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much for joining the show. So, anyway, this... Uh, over this last week, uh, you and I were struck with some terrible news that a good friend of ours had taken a trip to Brazil, and obviously it started out well for him because uh, I was looking at his Facebook. He went to the Gracie's house. He took a picture of Elio Gracie's bed, and then on Friday, uh, what what day was that actually? On Friday the 11th. Um, it's understood that uh, he mysteriously had a heart attack in his sleep. Oh, uh, well, when you caught the news, uh, what were what were your thoughts? I was at a grappling tournament down at the fairgrounds here in Boise, and uh, a former student of mine had got a message from someone, and it just grabbed you, and, you know, just surprised me very much. And, and, uh, so I, I, I got the information there and I just wasn't sure it was true. It was, you know, so, so surprising, but, um, yeah, it turned out to be true. And I, uh, first off would like to give my regards to all of his family and friends. Uh, he was, uh, uh quite the pillar here in Boise and, uh, you know, quite, quite, an achiever in jujitsu. Uh, I had been looking, looking over his, 
profiles and stuff here in the last few days. And uh, he had done even more than, than I had known. So, yeah, really, really going to miss that guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, my condolences to his friends and family as well. Um, you know, you talk about an achiever. I, I think it's safe to say what I'm about to say is that, um, you know, when I first took an interest in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I was a bit down on my luck and I decided, uh, you know, that it, it was time for me to do something. And so I decided to start college here in Twin Falls. And then a good friend of mine, Mike David, told me, well, if you're going to go to Twin Falls, you got to look up this guy named Keith Owen. He teaches Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, and prior to that, uh, just before that uh, was when I first started watching the UFC and the early MMA competitions. And uh, I said, oh, really? So, you know, I looked him up in the phone book and found his school. And sure enough, at the time, Keith had just gotten his blue belt. And uh, that's the minimum you need to start teaching. So I went to his school and um, we met him and he told he told me, uh, be here at such and such time and day. So, uh, I went, when I arrived, of course, Keith was not there. It was actually Dean Heilman who was, uh, teaching the class. But, uh, at the time it was between, uh, Keith and Dean kind of trading off, uh, shifts, you might say. And, you know, come to find out, uh, at that time there, there really wasn't anybody else at that particular time in Boise that was uh, teaching Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't know if you were that's, aware of this that's or not. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. There was just a few of us, uh, I like to call us the OGs, the old gangster instead of uh, old school, but um, we, uh, a few of us just doing it in the garage, and, and, um, and I met Keith in... Uh, up in Fairfield because, uh, you know, Keith and Dean, uh, I think they started, uh, before I did, uh, a little earlier, but we, we all started going to Utah to, to Pedro Sowers. And then we would all come back and, you know, try to, uh, continue to work on the techniques that we, that we learned up there. And, uh, you know, I remember we were just taking notes, and uh, Dean had a, a little electronic device that he could speak into, you know, kind of like note to self. And he would, you know, take all these little recordings and we'd come back all excited and, and work on those moves. But um, Keith and uh, Dean, they were the earlier, just a little bit earlier pioneers. Twin Falls was, was a little bit ahead of Boise, you know I mean? Because those guys, you know, they got to jump on us and... Um, and then Dean came, uh, Keith came here to Boise to a seminar that uh, Scott Marker had. Scott had brought Pedro here for a seminar, and um, those guys came from Twin Falls, but they, they had a little bit of a jump on us because they had been training it. You know, like you said, they were probably already bluebells, and we were just getting started. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say that... Uh Keith was uh, one of the ones, I'd say between him and Dean, they were the ones that helped establish Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the state of Idaho. 
Correct. Yeah, they were there. There's a few, a handful of us OGs, like I said, that that just uh, you know got the bug and and there was no stopping us uh, from continuing. But yeah, I I remember um, Keith's school very well. You know, he lived right next to it, and he taught some kind of kung fu, and and he would uh, and he and Dean were teaching the jujitsu Dean a little bit more because, uh, because, uh, Keith had his hands full with a, a lot of karate students, but they had this little room in the back with all red mats. I think he called it the red room. And that's kind of where, uh, the jujitsu got started here. I think here in Idaho for a, you know, a legit class as far as in a studio, like I said, some of us in Boise were just, goofing off in our garages and stuff like that at the time but Dean and Keith they they got it they got it off the ground yeah see prior to knowing Keith um you know I got uh, the Henzo Gracie and Craig Kukuk tapes and there's somebody else who uh went came to Boise it was Craig Kukuk <laughs> ended up going to Boise from New York City I remember that but um yeah I was uh, you know, I was uh, studying those with a buddy of mine. We were just going through the moves uh, shown on the tapes little by little, but uh, there's only really so much you can learn from doing that. And so, you know, I think um, because I had such an interest in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I, I, there was just a particular reason why I chose Twin Falls to go to college, you know, and I'd, I – I didn't expect uh, Keith's school to be there, but uh, I'm grateful as hell that I did choose Twin Falls. And then at the same time, too, um, my second semester at the College of Southern Idaho, I took a semester of judo with uh, Sensei Matsuoka, who's now, he's part of the athletic program that uh, they're running in high schools here in Twin Falls. So um, Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so so uh, I was I was really happy to be a part of Keith's class. Now I will say, you know, Keith wasn't easy to learn from. I I think probably because when I first met him, he was he was in his uh, late twenties, and I had my learning disabilities, and he had a you know I I think he was getting a little bit frustrated because I wouldn't I wasn't getting the techniques properly, whereas uh, Dean figured out my. Uh, learning disabilities and how to work around it, uh, which is that's that's an accomplishment of his own right there. Not many people could do that at the time. And yeah, we call that troubleshooting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but still, that's not to say that I didn't learn anything from Keith. In fact, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned from him was, you know, I'd go to roll and I I'd the one thing I did perfectly was I checked my ego at the door, which is what uh, most uh, mature students are going to do. However, I did it a little too much. And, and Keith sat me down and said, you got to get that mentality that when you roll with somebody, you got to have it also that you're going to kick their ass. <laughs> I mean, that was his words. Exactly. You're going to kick their uh, ass. Yeah. I got that same lesson from, my very first instructor because I was always being too nice to the new guys coming in and he sat me down and said real similar thing. He's like, Hey, this is your opportunity to tap these guys out. You don't have to sit and help them the whole time. You tap them out and, and get your stuff. And then, 
and then uh, then you can help him later. But he was, you know, encouraging me to not just be so nice and to, you know, learn from being able to tap the new guys coming in. Real similar message. Yeah. Uh, my very first class uh, over Keith's school, too, was uh, I was actually rolling with one of Keith's best students in jiu-jitsu. And um, he was he was only 13 years old, yet, and he, he probably weighed 115 pounds soaking wet, and me I was I was between somewhere 150 and 170 at the time, yet he knew how to lay on me and feel like he weighed a thousand pounds, and I'm sure I remember that kid. Yeah. Gavin or something like that, you know. I mean, you had Jason Flynn over there, but Jason was probably 16 or something like that. Yeah. But they had that little, that really small kid that was really good, and, and that's perfect. Uh, that's always been my favorite is to have a very light, skilled jiu-jitsu student that can show the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu because, you know, everybody that comes in new is a lot bigger than them, and they go, holy smoke. If this kid can can beat me um, and beat me nicely, then this jujitsu stuff must be awesome. So, yeah, yes. I think I remember that kid. Yeah, that I have to be honest. I really don't remember that kid's name, but I I'll just never forget rolling with him. But uh, I think it was the following years when I met uh, Jason Flynn for the first time and. Uh, and rolled with him and uh, probably at that time was uh, the strongest person I had ever rolled with. Really? Yeah. At, at that time, I was going to say, um, you know, as I, you know, I trained at other schools in uh, Reno, Nevada and, and Memphis, Tennessee. Of course, I, I rolled with some uh, pretty strong people there too, but uh I think, yeah, Jason was probably the first professional fighter I ever rolled with, though. Now, you're talking about in Twin Falls, clear back uh, 1997 or so, yeah. know, 25 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jason was actually an amateur at the time, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, uh, every now and then uh, you took some trips uh, – here to Twin Falls. In fact, Tom, I'll never forget the first time I met you was when I was working in Jackpot and I saw you wearing a Pedro Sauer shirt. <laughs> and then, uh -huh. yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah, you remember that night. And then, of course, uh, we met again when uh, when Pedro had a seminar in Twin Falls and uh, you were there for that. I, I still have the picture of that. And that's where I met Scott Marker and uh, that. Lowell Anderson was there too. I don't think he did much. I think he was just there, but uh, yeah, that, that was a good time. That was, I think, back in uh, 1999. Man, that's been a while. Have I known you that long? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started uh, managing some of those guys that went from jujitsu to MMA. You're talking about Jason Flynn being an amateur. That was uh, after we had gone to that Boss Rutan Invitational uh, tournament in Denver. 
you know, Keith was grappling in that and Jason grappled and did MMA and we had, you know, Jens Pulver and a couple other guys uh, that went with us there. But, um, yeah, back in 99, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, uh, Pulver, uh, got his start too. I never, I never met Jens. I'd, and, uh, I had my opportunity when I was at, uh, at one of the UFC conventions in Vegas, but, uh, he had left before I got my chance that, uh, yeah, I remember the boss root and invitational. I think, uh, that, that uh, had some crazy rules too. Didn't weren't uh, they supposed to uh, strike with open hands? If I remember, I I just know no, the, the rules were not in the, not not in the one that we went to. Oh really? Because I, I remember the they rules. They were they were closed fist for sure. But um, <laughs> the thing about that tournament is that the referee was the matchmaker for the UFC, so everybody wanted to go over there and do well. Everybody interested in MMA. Uh, there was a grappling tournament as well, but the MMA uh, community wanted to go over there and show this matchmaker how good they were. And if they, that's how Jens Pulver got into the UFC and later become the first, the very first uh, UFC lightweight champion. They they started the lightweight division, uh, and Jens, you know, was a part of it and won it. Yes, so. I I think uh, one of the fighters you I uh, I don't know if you managed him or not. I think you did, but I remember watching the fight and oh, the poor guy got screwed in that fight really bad. Uh, Chuck G. Yeah, he uh, yeah he went with us up there, and um, he had to fight uh, a UFC guy. For, I forget the guy's Patrick name, Smith. but he was it. He was a good kickboxer. You can look it up. You got an assistant there on the internet? Yeah, it was Patrick Smith that he fought. Yeah, yeah Patrick Smith was in like UFC 1, and, and Chuck didn't even know he was going to fight, who he was going to fight in, until our instructor goes, uh, you're fighting, uh, <laughs> told him he was fighting him, and, and the guy was a good kickboxer. So Patrick Smith, you know, Chuck was beating him on the ground, and that referee the UFC matchmaker. His name was John Peretti. He he kept standing him up. He wanted to see the action. You know, that was the funny thing about this tournament actually is that I don't believe it was sanctioned by the state or anything, wasn't regulated. And so the referee could do anything he wanted. And it was just hilarious on some of the stuff, but he would favor uh, fighters just to like Jens um, was against a leg lock guy and that guy was fixing to to get Jens with leg locks, and, and he wouldn't give him much time, and he'd stand it back up because he liked to watch the way Jens was fighting. You know, Jens was like a little banny rooster is, is what I, the way I say it yeah. uh, back then, just feisty and, um, and exciting to watch. And that, that um, UFC matchmaker took a liking to him immediately and said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a lightweight division in the UFC. You'd like to. We had him in there just a few months later. It was amazing. I mean, uh, our instructor, Lowell's uh, plan worked to a T. We went there to sh- to um, show ourselves. And, and, and then later, I also got Jason Flynn into some good MMA based on, you know, how he did there at um, the Boss Root and Invitational. Yeah. 
Yeah. Heck, we, uh, after the fight, always had this knack of hooking up with the right people. And so we all went to eat afterwards with the UFC matchmaker and boss root and both. And, you know, they, they were, uh, we were pretty excited about that. And that's how we, we got gems into the UFC. Yes. Yes. But anyway, Keith was there too. And Keith did really well in the grappling, uh, matches. I think he might've won his division or he did really well. I remember that he was a heavyweight and there was only a couple of other, other heavyweights. And I don't think they were as good as Keith was. Uh, Keith we was might a have big those guy. on video. <laughs> yeah. Keith was a big guy. I remember some, and sometimes he was not fun to roll with because, because he was a heavyweight. never was, never was because if you, his side control top, you just really couldn't move. That takes the fun out of everything. <laughs> you can't move. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, I do remember that. Keith has always been known for being that monster on top. That might be how he got his rhino nickname. Yeah. Well, he was big and tough. You know who? what else, too? I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but you know after he left Twin Falls, uh, he went to Las Vegas before go, uh, going back yeah. to it. Yeah, I knew that. And... He, uh, uh, he was doing something with uh, firearms in, in Las Vegas before he came to Boise. Well, uh, he also trained um, at the one school. I forgot what it was called, but uh, it's where Frank Muir started. And Keith would roll with Frank Muir. Now, Frank Muir, you, you look at him and look at his accomplishments, you know, we're talking about the man who who uh, tapped out Noguera and broke his arm. He, you know, that says a lot about you about his submission skills, but, uh, Frank Muir, I watched him at, uh, Grappler's Quest and he, you know, when it came to just straight up grappling, I don't know why, but he didn't do very well. I mean, he, and he gassed out really bad. And whenever he, Keith told me in, uh, when I interviewed him, uh, I think it was in 2008 that, uh, he, he actually could roll with, uh, Frank Muir and, and dominate him. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Frank had some basic skills that worked well for him in the UFC, but straight grappling. I don't remember. He probably, uh, he was just known to be me kind of mean and ornery. If he, well, he, he also broke Tim Sylvia's arm in the UFC. Oh yeah. That, that was his mentality is yeah, he good for you if you tap, but I'm looking to tear it off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, because he made he made Noguera's arm look like rubber. I mean, it's it's one thing Tim Sylvia uh, to for him to submit Tim Sylvia that was no surprise to me, but for what he did to Noguera that was a huge surprise. And to know that uh, Keith actually sure. had had rolled with him and uh, you know said said that uh, Frank Mir had a terrible problem with his stamina, <laughs> but then again, you know Keith knows how to suck the life out of you when you roll with him. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's probably not without reason why he, why he said, uh, you know, they call it uh, team Rhino jujitsu. Right. Yeah. And see, so, yeah, and I remember too, here in twin falls, just as, as Keith got started, there was uh, there was another gentleman here by the name of Brian Higgins who was 
starting a he was starting a little bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu at his school and then Intermountain Taekwondo I think it was called they were trying to incorporate Brazilian jiu-jitsu but uh, everybody everybody ended up just going to either Keith or Dean. <laughs> yeah, Dean had moved to something falls something falls fitness center. Yeah, Twin Falls I think it was Twin Falls Fitness Center. Yeah. Yeah, because and uh, yeah, and he, um, I used to drive over there anytime I could because Dean would just give me a free private lesson. I mean, he he just uh, was wanting to spread jujitsu, same as Keith. You know, that's that was their main goal. Let's just you know keep going with this and spreading jujitsu. And I want to say, you know, um, I'm glad that at least Keith. It sounded like you know, uh, rest in peace, Keith. But I'm I'm glad that sounded like he just laid down and went peacefully and i'd have to say it was good for him he was at the mecca of the jiu-jitsu uh in brazil and doing the thing one of the things that he loved the most and, and that you know that was great because i i did look at his facebook too and i thought oh my god he's right there you know having the time of his life and I'm very thankful that he went peacefully, at least. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I mean, not, you, you definitely don't get to choose. Well, some some people are stupid enough to do it, but uh, most of the time you don't get to choose mm-hmm. how you leave this world. Um, but, uh, you know, I was... There, there was something else that was I forgot right off the top of my head that I was gonna gonna mention about Keith too. Um, no, you're gonna remember as yeah. soon as you hang up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure I will. I'm sure I will. <laughs> yes. But yeah, he was. Um, I didn't know until uh, I looked it up. Well, I saw one of his interviews that uh, he's done a couple of podcasts in the last year. And uh, that he was like board of directors uh, in in Pedro's, um, or he might have helped Pedro start the uh, jiu-jitsu association. And anything uh, that those two, uh, Pedro and Keith, are doing is going to be good for the sport. Pedro Sauer is my absolute, one of my absolute favorite instructors. Such a nice man. He didn't even know me. And... Um, first time I went by myself to Salt Lake to get some jujitsu, Pedro let me stay in his house and uh, he didn't even know me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can stay in, the, in my room up here. And I just couldn't believe that, you know, cause early on when we saw the UFC and saw this jujitsu stuff, anybody we knew was uh, uh, even a white belt in Boise that knew real Brazilian jujitsu. We, we put them on a pedestal like they were God, but here I was at, Pedro Sowers, Mr. Black Belt Professor, one of the top Gracie, not just Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but Gracie Jiu-Jitsu instructors. And, uh, you know, he's letting me stay at his house. And, you know, that was just amazing. But he's just, uh, he and Keith are both such good instructors as well. So just want to lay that out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a bit of a funny story, too, is uh, in the winter of uh, 99, not maybe a couple weeks before that Christmas, um, there was uh, 
there was a seminar in uh, Salt Lake City, and um, Keith told everybody to bring their sleeping bags. And of course, because I had to work, I didn't have a vehicle at the time, so I, I had to take a Greyhound bus and meet everybody there. I had my sleeping bag, and, uh, you know, he said, we're going to be uh, just uh, staying there and sleeping on the mats or whatever. And I'm like, cool, and we're going to leave the next morning. And we ended up leaving that night after the uh, seminar was over. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's, how, that's how crazy we were back then. <laughs> yeah. No, but, uh, well, I think uh, Dean would would tell you how crazy I was, is that, uh, you know, I, I took the Greyhound and went to Pedro's school, and, and I had to wait probably about five hours outside in the cold for, for somebody to arrive. And I think you were in the vehicle with him. <laughs> well, you know, that puts you in the OG category as well, Billy. You're, you're old. <laughs> you're a, a original gangster yeah. as well. I mean, you were right there just, just to, at the very beginning of jiu-jitsu here in Idaho. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there was a reason why I chose to go to go to school here. I mean, uh, you know, God puts something in your path and it's, uh, and nothing's by accident, you know, and I think, uh, I, you know, I, I wanted to learn jujitsu. And so, uh, it was only fitting that God put me in twin falls. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I believe that. Yes. Yes. But, uh, now Keith is, is going to be remembered. I mean, like, like you said, that one of the OGs, uh, one of the, uh, I mean, one of the f- founding fathers of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the state of Idaho. I mean, um, you know, without without Keith or Dean, it, pro- it probably would have uh, still happened anyway. But uh, oh, probably about five, six, seven years later, who knows? Yeah, and and uh, his his students will keep his legacy alive because he's got, I think. 11 black belts here in the valley. I don't know if they've moved out or not out of the valley, but he's got a uh, 11 black belts here, you know, and I, uh, I'm sure they'll, you know, keep his legacy alive, um, moving forward. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was wondering, you know, is who's going to run the school now with him gone. And I'm, I, I knew I could trigger you. Well, I don't know if his uh, if his kids, his boys, he's got three boys. I don't know uh, how involved they were. I know one of them, he was saying, was helping him with uh, either a book or videos or something. But perhaps uh, one of his kids could keep that school going. He he has a ton of students. So, you know, yeah, hopefully somebody picks up the ball. I mean, you can't you can't replace him straight across and finish writing his books and things like that but but maybe uh somebody can pick up where he left off with his students and 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 continue running the school and he has affiliate schools too so um yeah we just have to see yeah i mean this this is a legacy that's not going to go away uh at, at no time soon anyway no it's good 
it's going to be around for a while. It, you know, just because it's uh, changing hands, it's uh, you know, Keith, I'm pretty sure Keith's got has it all planned out. You know, could be, yeah. You know, and then uh, as I I stated on Facebook, you know, I'm pretty sure that uh, you know Keith passed through those gates and. Uh, there's, there's Dean, he's got his gi on and he's, and he's like, I've, I've been waiting, I've been waiting for this moment. Well, (laughs) Dean's not going to shake his hand. He's going to get a takedown and start rolling immediately. He's going to shake his hand after they're done. Well, he's going to go for the tap though. You know that. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) Oh yeah. Dean was amazing. I mean, just to shift real quickly. I mean, he, uh. I always remember him as having these surgeries and he would be out of the hospital and on the mat immediately. He would even, he even had a Hicks and Gracie's uh, private lesson one time with bandages on his head. (laughs) So that's why I'm saying if Keith goes through the gates, Dean's not going to be just there to say hi. He's going to go, let's roll up. I'm going to teach you to see where we are on the map. <laughs> going to go for the tap. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really unfortunate when we lost Dean too, but, uh, you know, at least he got his black belt, uh, what, three months before he passed. And of course I, I knew Keith would end up getting his black belt too. Uh, Keith made it to fourth degree black belt, which is amazing. I'll tell you what. I'm I'm one of the guys that never got a black belt because I started teaching jujitsu as a blue belt because nobody else was here to teach and people asked me to and I'm like okay well I'm just a blue belt I'll show you what I need and I went 20 plus about 20 years with you know just a handful of students you know I always wanted 20 students that wanted to roll for 20 years and that's pretty much what I did so. Um, Keith and Keith had, oh shoot, he probably had a couple hundred students. So he made a, quite a business out of it, traveled the world and everything. And, you know, kudos to him. Rest in yes. Peace. Yes. Definitely going to be missed for sure. I hate to say it, but we are out of time for the segment. Tom, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining me. I mean, it's it's been too long <laughs> since the last time you were you were on one of my shows. But hey, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, you're welcome. Real quick, touch and let's let's catch up soon. Real quick, too, uh, just for the listeners, uh, since uh, last time we talked, uh, you're refereeing fights now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a natural progression for an old guy like me to. Uh, you know, I, I recently, uh, I've still been grappling two days a week, but recently I quit teaching in September because the place I was leasing closed, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up on jujitsu. I'm going to go to, you know, one of my former students, uh, class and, you know, just hop around here, here and there, but, uh, I've got to start lifting some weights and doing yoga and jujitsu <laughs> to keep in shape. But, um. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm still at it. Absolutely. Well, hey, once again, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless Keith. You too, Billy. All right. Rest in peace, Keith. Have a great day. All right, there you have the conversation with Tom Supnet, and I'm glad he uh, joined the show. 
I definitely wish it was under better circumstances, though. Anyway, it is time to go to our next music set. Coming up, uh, I chose this song for Keith, uh, Warrior by Bones, be followed by Christina Taylor, Insatia, Josh Bricker, and Bray Road. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. When the lights go down and the sun comes up, break my bones and I still stand tough. I am a warrior. A champion, keep your story, bruh Friends on my team rolling with me I'ma ride this beat like a 10 speed With me, now you wanna fall back Heartless punch, what you call that? Saw that coming and I say I call that It's all bad, baby, don't bar that <laughs> Baby, no defeat. Hey, 
catch your wife in the full mount with an unsanctioned opponent? Has your better half gone up three weight classes? Randy Couture, divorce attorney. Have you taken enough of a beating? Are you ready to tap out of your marriage? Then you need me, Randy Couture, divorce attorney. He's right on the case. He'll punch your ex in the face, yeah. I'll save you every dime, even if I have to choke somebody to do it. Keep your house. He'll help get rid of your spouse. Return clients, be sure to ask about our customer loyalty discount. Randy Couture, divorce attorney.
country music runs in your blood for miles. You might not know it yet, but soon you will. Boy, this old six string's gonna fill your life with thrills. So I picked it up and played a few chords. Next thing you know, I'm out the door. Playing in this barroom tonight and making these girls feel right. Cause it's a country thing passed down to me from my daddy, from his daddy down in history. It's a natural thing, it comes just right, just like Bonnie and Clyde riding through the night. And it feels right playing the way my daddy did tonight. And when I'm done, I hope it says to Miss Sun. Now that's country done right. Thought this country life was for me But this old sex train changed my life for free So I called my daddy up Asked him how'd you make it big And he said, boy, listen Cause here's the trick Boy, every time you get on stage You gotta give it everything you got From my daddy, from his daddy down in history It's a natural thing, it comes just right Just like Bonnie and Clyde riding through the night And it feels right, playing the way my daddy did tonight And when I'm done, I hope it says to miss some Now that's country done Down to me from my daddy, from his daddy down in history. It's a natural thing, it comes just right, just like Bonnie and Clyde riding through the night. And it feels right, playing the way my daddy did tonight. But when I'm done, I hope it says to me, son. When I'm done, I hope it says to me, son. Now that's country done right.
left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks, teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now, these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic, is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org X-Point at night, real country dark. You look up at the sky and see everything you've been missing living in the city. You had no idea there were so many stars. No city lights, no traffic noise. You can actually hear your thoughts because you can actually think without distraction. When morning comes, the light breaks over a surreal nine square miles of unobstructed vista. And you think to yourself, this is a good place. It's quiet, it's safe, and it's beautiful. 600 steel-reinforced concrete bunkers sit on X-Point. They're 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, and have 12 and a half foot high ceilings. The price is $45,000, which is very cheap for what you get and where you get it. In times of natural or national emergency, this is the place you want to be. It's a community, not a commune, and the people there are like-minded. Send an email to brendy at arcmidnight.com and let us connect you with X-Point. X marks your spot. That's the point. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats. That's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with We The People Holsters. If you own a handgun, then you know you need the perfect holster to go with it. We The People Holsters are made right here in the USA by gun nerds who are not afraid to support our Second Amendment. Whether you want Kydex or leather, We The People Holsters has just what you need. We The People Holsters is the preferred option of professionals throughout the law enforcement industry, as well as those serving in the branches of the armed forces. Simply go to www.outlawradioabs.com, go to the store section, and click on the We The People Holsters banner to select the holster that's perfect for you. Don't wait. Get your holster from We The People Holsters today. 
The Texas border is worse than ever, and not only is Greg Abbott refusing to stop the invasion, but he's given illegal aliens discounted tuition to Texas colleges and universities. Abbott approved the allocation of millions of taxpayer dollars that are being used by state universities to promote critical race theory, LGBT activism, and other leftist causes. And Greg Abbott's own political appointees were caught brainwashing Texas children with transgender ideology. Conservative Republican Don Huffines called them out and they took down their trash and resigned. Don Huffines, one of the most conservative senators in Texas history, never took a penny from the government. No paycheck, no pension. Don will actually secure the border, deport the invaders, and end taxpayer subsidies to illegals. He's not asking permission from the federal government. Don Huffines will end property taxes and will never allow a state income tax. Vote Don Huffines for governor. Political ad paid for by Don Huffines campaign. From the bowels of a nondescript building in a little hick town, this is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in a mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. And Neutronics IGF-1, making men, men again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Juggernaut by Bray Road. Before that, Josh Bricker with Country Done Right. Before that, Insatia with Captor and the Captive. Before that, Christina Taylor with I Got That From You. And starting off the whole set, a dedication to my late friend Keith Owen, Warrior by Bones. All right. So, we I discussed this a little bit last week with uh, Philip D. Blackman, but uh, the icon, Stephen James, wants to talk about this more on the Steve Solution, so that means it is time for the Steve Solution. If you have any trouble voting, they have officials there at the election site to assist if you need assistance. That's what they're there for. They cannot tell you who to vote for, how to vote, whatever. That is against so many laws, it's not even funny. And if there's ever a whiff of that, I think every vote in a particular precinct could be nullified. And certainly the participant could find him or herself doing some jail time. This is the Steve Solution with Stephen James on Outlaw Radio. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? And for our Canadian fans, and I have no doubt we've got plenty. Hey there, guys. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Gunnel of the Canadians. Well, let's see. We have somebody who kind of looks like Fidel Castro and more to the point, acts just like him in Mr. Justin Trudeau. I've never seen him with that kind of beard, but I'll take your word for it. He definitely acts like him. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, there are a lot of people saying there's a resemblance. In fact, if you Google... Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro, well, you'll see it. Oh, you betcha. And you can definitely tell by the way he's running our neighbors up north. Well, I like the fact that any man who has performed the blackface 
tells everyone how to be more liberal. How about uh, somebody from uh, Alberta talking about Alberta seceding from the Canadian Union? Well, uh, it sounds like any decent conservative, you know, wanting to annex California and New York from the United States. So I'm firmly behind those people. Yes, yes. So, I mean, the country of Alberta has... Uh, you know they're like we're not gonna we're not gonna do these mandates we're not gonna do these lockdowns this is a bunch of bullshit this is totalitarian uh, communist dictatorship and you know what at the honest true peak of COVID I understood you know the shelter in place orders especially in major cities and that former thing. We're not at that point anymore. This is the, uh, what are we calling it this week? Uh, the Omicron variant. And it's a cold. <laughs> Literally, it's a cold. Yet, the media, well, the liberal media, and the governments are still trying to use this to control everyone and it's fucking bullshit and then of course uh they they don't want anything that actually works so no you can't have ivermectin no you can't have hydroxychloroquine you're going to take this vaccine that is unproven with that is made of parts of fucking aborted fetuses and all of all kinds of other shit. Not to mention the fact that, you know, whether or not you want the vaccine, that's fine. Oh, no, no. You, we're going to shove it down your fucking throat. Not only that, but at the same time, now, I don't know about where anybody else lives. I know where I live. And, you know, personally, as a a uh, fairly recent stroke victim. I talk to a lot of doctors and nurses and other people in the medical field. I have not had one person in the medical field tell me that I should take this vaccine or any vaccine as far as COVID. As a matter of fact, they've all adamantly said from what they've seen as far as side effects and everything else not to take it. They literally say their emergency rooms and urgent cares are filling up with people, not COVID patients, reaction patients to vaccines. This isn't my personal opinion. We'll get to my personal opinion very, very, very soon. But these are the same, you know, people in the same medical profession that you're saying on CNN or wherever. They're adamantly advising people to not take this. 
probably tell you something, which brings us to a group of people who, in my opinion, are amongst the bravest group of people that this generation has ever seen, a group of, uh, of all people, Canadians, and who would have ever thought Canadians would be the ones to stand up and fight the hardest, and God bless them for it, but Canadian truck drivers. Well, and of course, uh, I don't think any of them are Generation Z. I think most of them, um, I think, well, baby boomers are getting a little bit old, so I think they're in our generation. There's a the tail end of the baby boomers and uh, yeah. in, in the early part of uh, Gen X. And and maybe some, there's millennials like that. like. Uh, oh, there's no millennials. Oh, no, no, I'm pretty few, sure. Very few. Like uh, like the gentleman, uh, you know, you watched the interview. Now, I had his name at the top of my head just a few minutes ago, and I already forgot it, damn it. Oh, damn uh, it. Uh, it's right on my phone, so give me like yeah. two seconds. I know. Here, it's so. His name is Pat. He, he just talked to John B. Wells on the uh, pre-show. Uh, it's uh, Pat King, by the way. Pat King, yeah. he's Yeah, he just talked to John B. Wells on the pre-show of Caravan to Midnight. Um uh, well, he's, yeah, no, he, he's a definite Gen X guy, just like I am, just like you are. And he's sitting in jail right now. By the way, I never got a chance to ask, what did they charge Pat with? Because I just watched that interview, and A, he's incredibly well-spoken and informed on what he's talking about, but B... Much like almost every Canadian I've ever dealt with, unless you're arguing about hockey, he is so incredibly polite. Even when he was correcting John about something, he apologized like 17 times. <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't. I don't know. I don't. But uh, I'm pretty well, my sure. My question is, what, what, what did they charge him with? Probably something like obstruction or something like that. I don't. I. I don't know. I just. I just know that uh, John said that he was. He was recently arrested. That's all I know. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there at the time of the arrest or anything like that. But I, again, the only time I can imagine this man even raising his voice at me is. You know, if I claim that, you know, for example, uh, you know, my Anaheim Ducks were better than the Edmonton Oilers or something, that would be the only time I would see him conceive of him getting angry. But let's talk about who really needs to be arrested. Like the Edmonton Oilers for pretending to be a hockey team. <laughs> No. I'm kidding to our Canadian listeners. That was a cheap joke. How about Justin Trudeau? Uh, well, I mean, first off, if the woke police should be, uh, you know, are completely in power, he once performed in black. 
face, and it's on video. So, therefore, he should be uh, put in whatever the equivalent of jail is for woke people. I guess that would be like a, you know, a, um, you know, a two-day time out uh, while you watch some videos about being woke. <laughs> or how about, uh, you know, how he's violating human rights? Well, you know, there's that, but, I mean, come on. You're the leader of the, you know, uh, Canadian free world uh, while you're still technically under British control. So I guess you can violate people's rights. <laughs> I mean, the British monarchy does it all the time. You know, uh, John also had recently had a guest on his show, too, from the UK. Basically had explain the difference between British and English because now I realize it was the British that imposed totalitarianism and convinced the Russian government to form the USSR Soviet Union. It was the British who talked the Chinese into starting the Chinese Communist Party. It's the British who's also help pushing the crap that's going on in South Africa. So, but our Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, our conservatism, all started with English. Um, yeah, what's the world? Ba basically, English ways of life. Actually, it started with a bunch of guys saying, fuck these taxes, and here's your mm -hmm. tea, it's in the fucking harbor. But our, our Constitution was, was based on English principles, not British, but English. So there's a, I learned a difference there. Oh, no, there's very much a difference. You know, the British are the, as they call them, the, the posh people. As where the English are, you know, your typical everyday working man. Blue collars. Blue collar, paycheck to paycheck type of people. They're, you know, they phrase things a little bit different than you and I, but otherwise they're the same. Yep. But let's talk about this protest. See, because the last time there was a mass protest on this level that was organized by anyone, it was, A, number one, more widespread, B, much more destructive, actually 100% more destructive, in property value and everything like that. And there were many, 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 actually, oh, wait, sorry, 100% more instances of violent crime as far as protests go. And what do we call that here in the U.S., uh, Billy? It was... Um, oh, they, they're protesting. No, uh, there was a name for that group uh it had three letters what the hell was it um 
Um, it's on the tip of my to Oh, right, BLM. And wait, what did the uh, liberal media do about that? Oh, they praised them. Praised. Every time you turned on the news and you saw a city in flames, the first thing the anchor said was, it's important to remember that the vast majority of these protests are peaceful. You weren't showing those. Okay, fine. No, they weren't. They were showing the cities on fire. Why? Because if it bleeds, it leads. I mean... Now, now let's look at the Canadian protest. Um, How many buildings were destroyed? Zero. How many lives were lost? I believe that was zero also. So here's another question for you. Uh, How many serious injuries were there due to the protest? Now, I did hear that uh, some of the cops have been beating people, so maybe that's in question. Oh, well, damn, where the hell are the uh, liberal people on that one going? Hey, um, people are being, oh, wait, sorry, they're police, so they're completely fucked on this. They're screwed. They're going, shit, people are hurt. We need to protest. Oh, wait, it's police. We can't protest. They're losing their minds. They don't know whether to shit or go blind when protesters beat cops. And by the way, uh, I should mention the number of those instances are in literally the single digits. But still, and that's, and that's as a nation, not per city. There are some reports, though, the Canadian Mounted Police doing some of this shit and... Uh well, I, I don't know. I, I don't fully know, but uh, hey, yeah, where the hell is defund the police on this bullshit? See, that's the thing is, when it suits their agenda, then we're, we need to have the police. I mean, that's all you see on the news is, why aren't the Canadian police doing something about this? These are the same reporters that are saying, we need to defund the American police. I'm sorry, uh, are the Canadian police somehow better? Because quite frankly, they're not. I've watched their version of Cops. It's on Netflix. And they're not better or worse. They're, They're cops. That's literally what they do. They simply show up and take care of the situation. As to the best of their ability. The Canadian police, on the other hand, are, you know, literally, and I feel bad for the Canadian cops, I really do, because they don't know what to do one way or the other, because Canada, as far as their government, is so fucking woke that they're like, yes. Protest. You know, everybody supports the protest. That's the Canadian government. Black Lives Matter, all this shit. So what happens when the right wing does the exact same thing and has a 100% peaceful protest? Terrorists. Yeah, except the cops are going, uh, well, the, the other guys were burning shit and 
riding, and we were told, I'll just leave them alone. These are guys sitting in their trucks. That's their form of protest. These are people sitting in vehicles, just that, just sitting there. The yeah. only time they move yeah. is when they got to refuel. <laughs> That's it. That's the form of protest that the liberals are so up in arms about right now is people sitting in semi-trucks and they're all over CNN about what horrible people they are. Yet, when the BLM protesters and the Antifa protesters were burning cities to the ground, they're still literally in the Pacific Northwest occupying. They were given whole sections of cities and saying, okay, well, we, you do what you want with this part of the city, no matter what the businesses or citizens that were there, you do what you want to this part of the city. We will leave you alone. We understand you have a grievance. Are you fucking kidding me? This is the very definition of peaceful protests. And I've said that ever since the first BLM march. If you want to have a protest, make it effective and make it peaceful. Dr. King taught us all that. I mean, think back uh, 200 plus years ago, the Boston Tea Party. Who, who got hurt? Well, very definition of peaceful protest. Nobody got hurt? No, nope, they didn't. Uh, now uh, some a bunch of tea got destroyed, but that's about the worst of it. Well, you know, even that's not true. They could have collected the tea from the harbor and sold it as Black Earl sea salt tea, oh. and that would have been fine. I wouldn't. Drink. And in and, and, and this day and age, that probably would have sold. I wouldn't drink that shit after it's been in salt water. <laughs> I wouldn't drink that shit, period, so that's fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, props to uh, my bruvs in the UK for throwing out, uh, you know, the UK Union, but I'm still not, you know, down with British totalitarian rule, which, oh, wait a minute, um, isn't Canada still under British rule? Last I knew. Uh, well, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I know the queen is on their money. Yes, yes. I mean, South Africa is not supposed to be, they're claiming they're not under British rule anymore, but yet, uh, how come oh, they're... God save the queen! They're, but, uh, yeah, they're, while our presidents have formally greeted the queen... South Africa's presidents to this day still kneel to the queen. And the same goes for quite a few other countries. Uh, Australia. Yep, Australia you know, too is, might as well be under British rule. Well, I mean, they are technically a British penal colony, but this is a whole other issue. <laughs> 
know, I just, I, I love the fact that the liberals sit there and want to tout how horrible this is for, you know, interstate as far as Canada commerce and international commerce as far as America. How could these horrible people do that? These are the most peaceful of any protest I have seen in my entire life. But you gotta figure the narrative now, Stephen, is communism. I mean, that's what they're they're being taught in schools that uh, capitalism has never worked and it's only caused poverty and doesn't do anything for the homeless, blah, blah, blah. Capitalism is evil, so communism is the way. Oh, yeah, I understand. We've always had homeless people that have needed help. I understand that. But how are you going to solve the problem? By making everybody homeless, except well, for the filthy rich. Well, first off, you know, history has proven time and time and time and time and time and time. I don't have enough hours in the day to keep reading and time. Communism and socialism never fucking works. It never has. It never will. And there is no. However, capitalism, while it has its flaws, don't get me wrong. I'm you know, not going to be, you know, the teetotaler Republican that says capitalism is the answer for everything. It's not. Obviously, you know, social programs have their benefits, and that's fine. I'm not going to argue that. However, every nation that has embraced capitalism has fucking flourished. And not just a little bit, but a lot. And not just their governments, but the in lives of almost every single citizen of that country. And quite frankly, the number one recipient of capitalism, yeah, is the United States. But you know who is number two? Canada! The same place where these wonderful truck drivers are protesting all this bullshit that's being rained down upon them. Yes. And, uh, I mean, South Africa, too. Now, think back to the apartheid days. I mean, even though I don't fully support the concept of apartheid, and you know this. However, during apartheid, South Africa's economy economy at one time was it was better than the United States only for a short period of time though the first per capita per capita yeah the first ever successful heart transplant done in South Africa then of course they end apartheid and give it over to that wretched ANC government and it's been falling to shit since then and look where they're at now I mean, also to be fair, you know, uh, you know, great concept of getting an entire country on the same page, and you know, everyone working for the common goal, and watching a country completely flourish and boom, and having 
everyone on the same page. And it was a wonderful thing to experience as far as the economy and everything else. That was uh, Germany, I believe, in the 1930s. And uh, not such a good idea there. It didn't really work out well for them. We obviously need to be a nation, and I speak uh, for the U.S. Uh, and presumptively for our Canadian listeners, but our countries are very similar. So I'm going to go ahead and take a limb out and speak for the Canadians. We definitely need a certain amount of diversity and room for everyone to live and grow. Yes. But when you start with arbitrary rules because, you know, everyone has got to be on the same page. So if this minority of people needs this rule, everyone should follow this rule. That's how your socialism falls apart. That's where capitalism and freedom flourish. Some things are good for everyone. And that's what, the, that's what these truckers are mainly standing for because Justin Trudeau is taking it all away, that motherfucker. This is about freedom and human rights, and freedom is a human right if we are to flourish other than to merely survive. I don't know where that quote came from, but it couldn't be any more perfect. Yes. Who was, where is that quote from? I actually heard it in a... In a monologue that I'll have to send to you. Oh, well, I was going to hope that you were going to take credit for that so I could praise you, but, you know, fair enough. Uh, but I hate to say it, Stephen, we are out of time. There is one thing I want to do before we are out of time. Uh, what is that? I would like to give a long-winded speech about how wonderful Canada is, but we don't have time for that. So, there is a piece of music that I would like you to play in honor of the awesome freedom fighters of Canada. All right. Let's, and that is the Canadian National Anthem. Let's do it. And probably the only time you'll hear that on AOW. Here we go.
Beautiful. Beautiful. I knew I picked the right version. I hope you agree. All right. So <laughs> Stephen got himself muted, I think. Anyway, on tap for next week is to be determined as always. But in honor of the truckers, I got the uh, an appropriate song picked out to end the show. This is Tough Mudder Trucker by Mickey LaMantia. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and we shall be back next week. See you then. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. you're in a band or maybe you run a radio show or podcast whatever you do you want to market your brand with custom made apparel look no further than fresh baked tees t-shirts hoodies tank tops caps beanies koozies banners and even masks you can get them all custom made from fresh baked tees prices are reasonable and negotiable 
Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. Support Outlaw Radio and Friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Get Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including the new Eden Nutritional Support System. Check out We the People holsters, made in America by gun nerds who are not afraid to support and stand up for their Second Amendment rights. Click on the We the People holsters banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Get the best night sleep in the whole wide world and more with Mike Lindell's MyPillow pillows and other products. Click on the MyPillow banner in the Outlaw Radio store use promo code OUTLAW and save up to 66%. Visit My Patriot Supply and purchase buckets of food with a 25 year shelf life. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. You've heard the phrase, America's most loved brands. And what exactly did our loyalty to some of those most loved brands get us? I'll tell you what, money and lots of it. For organizations and their ideologies that directly conflict with American core values and the American way of life. Enter Etruzu.com, a place for patriots to buy and sell. You can open your own online store for as little as $25 per month and grow your business as big as you want. Buy from patriots and sell to patriots. Everything from ordinary household items to absolutely anything that's available from companies that do not have our country's best interests at heart. With Etruzu.com, you know who you're buying from and you know who you're selling to. Let's make your brand one of America's most loved. Get started at etruzu.com. E-T-R-U-Z-O-O.com. Etruzu, a place where patriots buy and sell. Mark your calendar and make plans now to experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. Take the whole family and enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Artists performing include Colby Cooper, Lainey Wilson, Ellie Mae Mellencamp, Cliff Miller, Austin English, The Steel Woods, Shane Smith and the Saints, Sam Riggs, and more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2022 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, Snake River Pool and Spa, and 95.7 KEZJ, Southern Idaho's new country. Have a great time while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. That's Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too, no matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy... 
from fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions.